Welcome to episode 179 of Live Happy Now. This is your host, Paula Phelps, and today we have a special treat for you. Live Happy CEO Deborah Heise joins us to talk with author and happiness researcher Tal Ben-Shahar, who tells us about some very important lessons he learned from his barber. I am thrilled to have on today's Live Happy Now, uh, one of our favorite people, one of the thought leaders in the happiness space. I mean, he's someone we've talked to before. I've read his books. He's you know, really been an inspiration to many people around the world on their happiness journeys. But we have uh, Tal Ben-Shahar, who taught the historically largest course at Harvard, which was called Positive Psychology, and the third largest, the Psychology of Leadership, teach more than 1,400 students per semester, which is approximately 20% of all Harvard graduates. So if you think about this, Talis had an influence on 20% of Harvard graduates for the time period he was there, which is phenomenal because uh, hopefully he created a lot more happy Harvard graduates and happy Ivy League students than we typically see. In addition, he's got his own BA and PhD from Harvard and for the last 15 years has been teaching leadership, happiness, and mindfulness to audiences all over the world. He is the author of five books, including the international bestsellers, Happier and Being Happy, which if you haven't read, you need to check out. And he's here with us today to talk about his latest book, Shortcuts to Happiness, Life-Changing Lessons from My Barber. Welcome to the show, Tal. Thank you very much. Great to be back. So the obvious question is, how is someone with a PhD from Harvard who's taught the largest course on happiness ever how does a person like that find life-changing lessons on happiness from their barber? Yeah, so I must admit it, it, it came as, as a surprise to me. But let me share with you the minute I decided, that, you know, there's a book in this. I went for a haircut. I was just before a long trip. I didn't feel like getting on a plane. I was exhausted, not in a great mood, but I needed a haircut. So, you know, basic needs need to be fulfilled. So mm -hmm. I went to, to the barber and uh, sat down and I got out after 20 minutes feeling so much better and it cost me $18 plus I got a free haircut. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I was walking home, you know, it was just around the corner. I was walking home and I said, I've got to write about this guy because he has such, a, you know, pearls of wisdom that I want to share with others. And I started doing it. So each time I went, and I started going more and more frequently, sometimes dragging my kids for a haircut, even if they didn't need it, but it was for a cause. I, I started going to him more often and extracting these pearls and writing about them. And it just uh, evolved from there. And it, you know, it was two years to the day, actually, before I told him that I was writing a book about him, asked for his permission to publish it. And I must say, very, very special experience for me, very different from what I was used to, you know, sitting in... In, in lecture halls and, and reading uh, Aristotle or Seligman. So how did Avi, which is the name of the barber, how did Avi react when you, when you told him you wanted to write this book? So I didn't tell him that I wanted to write this book. I told him that I wrote this book. <laughs> so this, I didn't, for two years, no one but my wife knew that I was actually working on this because I didn't want to take away the, the, you know, the spontaneity and the authenticity of his words. So he didn't know. And when he did hear, he was understandably, you know, shocked. But once he recovered from the initial shock, he was also very happy, very pleased. So what are some of the examples? You know, obviously, I've, I flipped through the book. It's tremendously organized in the sense that it's something that you can pick up and put down. Like, I don't need to sit down and read it cover to cover. But it, it's great to sit down, you know, just read a couple short pages on a specific topic. And, and it's fascinating to me. But 
as opposed to being fascinating to me, what are your favorite stories? What is your favorite little tidbit or snippet within this book? Yes. So I'll just share a couple. And you know, the, the reason why you know, it can be read just you know, one short chapter at a time is because each chapter basically describes one encounter. So, so they are self-contained. But, but let me give you an example. So you know, we were just chatting about a movie that he recommended. We had a really good conversation there. And uh, as I walked out, he said, uh, this was great. Tal, I love you. Now, I felt very uncomfortable when he said that. I must say, because, you know, I've said I love you to, you know, a handful of people, you know, my family, my, you know, my, and, and very few others. And here is a person you know, I didn't know him that well. You know, I had a haircut one, you know, once a month or, you know, once every three weeks. Uh, but he's telling me, I love you. And, and I walked out and I thought about love. And I thought back to Barbara Fredrickson's work, who, who wrote a book called Love 2.0. And she basically helped to redefine the concept of love. And what she claims is that you experience love when you experience positivity resonance. These are her words. And, and positivity resonance means essentially when you connect to someone. So, for example, if, if I walk on the street and there is another person walking and we both see a little puppy and we look at the puppy and we look at one another and we smile at one another, that's positivity resonance. So you connect over a positive emotion with someone else. And what she shows, and she shows it physiologically, is that this is the experience of love. This is the manifestation of love. In other words, what she's doing is she's lowering the bar for our experience of love. And I was thinking about, about Avi, you know, if we certainly experience positivity resonance when we were talking about that film and I thought, you know, I think maybe he understands love better than I do. And maybe we don't need to wait for, uh, you know, an extraordinary life-changing experience to label it as love. Now, does that, does that cheapen the, the emotion of love? I don't think so, because there can be romantic love and there can be love among friends. And I must say, ever since then, I've been a lot more uh, liberal about, about giving myself the permission to experience and express love. So this is just one small, well, big example, a big difference that it made in my life and my rethinking. Even though I knew the research on positivity resonance, I didn't encounter it as directly as I did with Avi. He was also a very wise businessman. And, and I often asked him, you know, so why don't, don't you, uh, you know, open other barber shops? You know, you could, you could start a chain, you could, uh, you know, run a, a large operation. And he said that he has thought about it a few times and maybe at some point he'll do it. But the most important thing for him was the personal connection with people. Mm. He said, this is what provides him the meaning in his life. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a thought or it's a way of life that is so missing from our world. Because if we have an opportunity for, you know, growth, for development, for, you know, financial growth, we very often take it not thinking about the consequences now, if the consequences are being away from people, then maybe it's, it's not a step worth taking. If it's losing touch with the most important things in life, maybe it's a step not worth taking. And, um, you know, it, it really inspired me to think about, okay, so what, what are the most important things uh, in, in my life? What are the things that provide me with meaning? What are my equivalent of, you know, him standing there for eight hours a day and, and talking to people and, and being at, you know, this is his strength, it's his passion. You know, what are my strengths and, and my passions independent of the external benefits thereof? So 
Can you describe atmospherically what it's like? Because, I mean, obviously you had a connection with this barber, but also just from the experience you just described, him taking the other patron out to, to talk to him and make his point. What does this barbershop look like? How many people are there? What's the atmosphere that, that you're experiencing when you go in, in, in for this? Yeah, you know, so I thought about it a lot, you know, what's unique about it? And, uh, you know, I thought back to research by one of my ex-colleagues, Amy Edmondson. She's now teaching at Harvard Business School. And her idea of psychological safety, psychological safety is the the feeling that we can uh, uh, speak out, that we can take risks, that failure is okay. And when there is psychological safety, there is a great deal of uh, creativity when there's psychological safety, there's uh, high levels of team performance, individual performance. So it's a great thing. And psychological safety also leads to higher levels of well-being. And this is what, what people experience in uh, Avi's salon. Uh, you, you can just be yourself. You don't have to be, you don't have to prove yourself. It's okay if you say things which are not to the point, which are not smart. It's okay if you don't say anything as well. You know, sometimes there'll just be silence there, you know, permission to be quiet. And in that atmosphere of psychological safety. It's a great environment for personal and and group development. So is this, in all sorts of American culture, there's an element of, you know, from the 1940s forward, and I realize that this is a barbershop that's not in the United States, it's in Israel, but that typical, hey, everybody, you see the same people there all the time? Is it a really a community gathering place as well as a place that you uh, go to get your hair cut? Or is it simply that, I, I don't know how to describe it, or is it simply that he's such a charismatic character that the people who are there are involved in discussions and activities in an open place, or is it pretty much a private congregation between you and and your barber? I'm just curious whether it, you know, it relates to something that many people experience here. I absolutely think it is, and I'll extend that even further. I don't just think it's in the in a barber shop. I think the similar experiences we have in, in a taxi. I think we have uh, similar experiences in cafes and in some stores. And I think that the main element there is, is yes, you, you need a, a person who so, sort of will orchestrate, who will facilitate in a sense, as Avi did. But I think the most important thing is that people there are, and I mean it in the positive sense of the word, people there are stuck. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, we're just present. We're there. And in today's world, especially uh, these uh, experiences are rare because we're constantly running around. You know, uh, Henry David Thoreau once said, life is, is too short to be in a hurry. And it's true. And unfortunately, in today's world, we're always in a hurry. But when we go to the barber, we're not. You know, we're just letting go and we're there, whether it's for our 20 minutes or for, or for much longer than that. You know, we're just stuck there. And it, it's a wonderful opportunity to be stuck together and to, to interact you know, the same in a taxi, you know, you're on your way back from the airport and, and you're just there. And if you just, and again, this is one of the most important lessons that I learned, you know, use that time to connect. And even though you'll never see the, you know, the taxi driver again, it's an opportunity. You know, you may want to be just silent and quiet and meditate. That's fine. But sometimes you may want to connect. And all these opportunities are what I've come to call islands of sanity in our crazy busy world. I love that. Where can people pick up the book? Yeah, so it will be in the stores uh, starting uh, in, any day now, and you know, either on, uh, on Amazon or, and hopefully in the bookstore uh, next to your barber shop. And so the last thing I want to ask is, what did you learn about yourself by spending so much time at Avi's shop? I think 
the mo- my most important lesson is is a that it reinforced my understanding of my love of learning. So you know, my top strength, if you talk about the values in in action, my top strength is love of learning. But it expanded my love of learning from just again books and university classrooms to everyday experiences. So I'm a lot more mindful, conscious now of having conversations in different in different places and coming in with uh, you know what uh, David Cooperider talks about with an appreciative eye or an appreciative ear of how much I can learn. I mean, I learned so much from my conversations with Avi, and I ain't stopping. You know, <laughs> continue to to learn from him and from others. So this has been so refreshing and and such a gift. Well, thank you for sharing today, Tal. It's been a joy having you on the show again. Personally, I read a lot of the books that we talk about on the show. I'd like to say I read all of them, but you know, as many as we as many as we get in, I re- I at least skim all of them. But I have to tell everybody this is one of my favorites because it is easy to digest. It is a great piece that will just make you stop and think. And if you're not stopping and having those conversations with everyday people, or you're not making the room to interact with people on a daily basis and learn more, it, it'll it make you think twice about that and really get you started doing it. Because there's, to me, my favorite kind of book is something where I can pick up and spend five minutes in it and learn something every day. You can spend five minutes in this book at a time and still get something out of it every day. So I'm going to recommend all of our listeners take the time to pick it up and check it out. And Tal, thanks for being with us today. Thank you very much. And thank you for the amazing things that you do at Live Happy. Well, we have a great time. You know, we're living happy, so to speak. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much. Thank you. That was Tal Ben-Shahar talking with Live Happy CEO Deborah Heise about his latest book, Shortcuts to Happiness, Life-Changing Lessons from My Barber. Visit us at Live Happy Now to find out more about Tal and his book. And now, in honor of Breast Cancer Awareness Month, Live Happy's Donna Stokes talks with breast cancer survivor Dana. Dana is founder of Ana Ono, a lingerie company that caters to women who have had reconstruction surgery following breast cancer. She's also featured in the article, Finding Joy Again, in this issue of Live Happy magazine that's on newsstands now. Let's listen in as Dana talks about how her own experience with breast cancer opened the door to helping other cancer survivors. What do you wish the world knew about breast cancer that isn't often talked about? You know, there's a lot I wish the world knew about breast cancer, but I think, you know, the biggest piece to take home is that breast cancer isn't just during the month of October. It is a year-long struggle for many women and men and many families. And just keep in mind that, you know, Breast Cancer Awareness Month is an incredible time to take note of your health and ways to help other men and women that have breast cancer. And it is an all-year-long struggle for us. From your experience, what made you decide to start a business after your cancer diagnosis? I was diagnosed with breast cancer in 2010. I was 27 years old, and I also was a fashion designer. So when I went through the cancer process and went through chemo and did all of my medications and all my infusions, after my mastectomy, I realized that my body was just completely different than it had been before cancer. And I couldn't find any traditional bras to wear in the marketplace, and and what was available for other mastectomy patients was just 
really awful. They were utilitarian and boring and, and it just made me feel like I didn't belong. So I took my fashion background and applied it to these unique needs I now had. And Ana Ono was born from that. That's such an amazing story to turn, you know, your talents and your experience with something that could have put really your career on hold to just bring that all together and move forward with it. It's just so inspiring. And I really, really love your story. Thank you for that. It's, uh, it's been a long one. <laughs> but right. when I keep living day by day, why is finding a bra after breast cancer difficult, more difficult than, you know, just for everyday shopping? Well, you know, if, if you're undergoing a lumpectomy treatment where they only remove partial pieces of your breast tissue, uh, you may have a sensitive scar in a place where maybe an underwire hits, or you might even experience about a half, half a cup size to a full cup size different than your natural or unaffected breast. And then there's the more aggressive treatment or the more aggressive therapies, which is the mastectomy, which removes all of the breast tissue. So now you're talking about having a body that used to have a breast and may have one still on the other side and there's nothing there anymore. You know, a, a big decision that people can make these days is, is you can choose or opt to reconstruct the breast that used to be there or you could live without your breast. You know, it's, it's totally up to you. It's totally what path of treatment you want to go through and how you feel about your body. And when your breasts become reconstructed, they become very rigid and they're different than a natural breast tissue. So, if you're looking to shop a molded cup or an underwire bra or something that you used to wear, it's just going to fit you very awkwardly and it's going to likely be uncomfortable. You're going to really have to try to find a lot of different styles and a lot of different bras. And, and really, at the end of the day, you're, you're most comfortable in a sports bra. But, you know, sports bras aren't attractive for everyday <laughs> wear. You know, they're great when you go to the gym. Right. <laughs> they're not so great. When you're going out with your girlfriends, you're going out to a dinner, you know, with somebody that you love or care about. So I just really wanted to make sure that, you know, every facet of life was, was covered with something that was comfortable, but beautiful at the same time. And I didn't want to have to compromise one for the other. And I don't think anybody should. So that's really what the solution is that we provide to women that have breast surgery and breast cancer that, you know, every bra is designed with the intent to fit their new body. That's wonderful. And I'm sure you've learned a lot over the years in what people need and have had uh, customers with special requests. What sort of changes have you made since you started the company? How has it grown? Wow, you are so right. We have grown so much since we launched. And really, where that comes from is from our customers sharing their unique perspectives, their unique experiences. And, and we have women that come to us that have no breasts at all, but, you know, want a sexy bra that allows them to feel good about themselves and beautiful. And maybe there's a peak of a black lace that slips out from underneath a dress or sort of whatever that confidence building piece is to you. I mean, we have a growing audience now of, of women that don't necessarily feel like they need to replace their breasts whether that be with a breast form or with breast reconstruction. Mm -hmm. And just because you don't need a bra doesn't mean that you don't want one, right? So right. we try to take all of these different unique circumstances and perspectives and apply different thoughts and ideas to them. So that way, whoever you are, you know, we have a really beautiful solution to help you feel good and, and confident and empowered. Thank you again so much, Dana. You have an amazing story and an amazing product. And it's just, it's really inspiring to talk to you. 
Well, thank you to Live Happy for helping us spread our message and our mission to your listeners. And we're so honored to be a part of the family now. So thank you. That's all for this episode of Live Happy Now. Be sure and visit us at livehappynow.com to learn more about Tao Ben-Shahar and Dana Donafree. And if you go to anaono.com, you can type in Live Happy at checkout and get a 20% discount. If you like what you've heard here today and want to hear more, go to Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your favorite podcast. search for Live Happy Now, and subscribe today so you'll never miss an episode. That is all we have time for today, so please join us back here next week. And until then, this is Paula Phelps reminding you to make every day a happy one.